0: Good morning, church. Am I on? There go. Well, this weekend, as a nation, we're reminded of those men and women who sacrificed everything. And, you know, and I, I think of this scripture, John 15. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And, um, you know Jesus said that. Jesus demonstrated that. And I, you know, as I was thinking about this weekend, as I was thinking about, you know, just reflecting on it and um, the impact. I know it's even had on my life personally. The, the sacrifice has been made, but also the lives of so many. Um, just I've been just filled with gratitude. Um, I was even praying about it this morning. was like, wow, we can we can preach openly. We can talk about God openly. Um, because others have made that sacrifice for our freedom. And, uh, you know, a picture that that I think just screams loud and clear about the sacrifice was uh, this one right here. There we go. Um, You know, that picture just says a lot. One of our past presidents even said, he said um, that... Most of the time, you know, the young men and women that make that sacrifice, most of them are not only sacrificing the life that they've lived, but they're also sacrificing the life that they will live. And we know that there's a lot of others that sacrifice in that moment. And so I just want to take a quick second and just want to say thank you if uh, that's something you've had to go through, if it's something your family has to go through. Um, we are so grateful for that. Amen. Amen. We're going to jump into the sermon. The title of it is Who Are You? Before I do that, I got a couple, uh, just special announcements, an introduction and then an announcement. But, uh, sitting in the back there, um, very excited because uh, you know, we we get the experience uh, Jerry and our Lynn Sugarman. They they're elders in our church here in uh the North Region and oversee it. But uh Jerry's parents, Jordan and Ruth Sugarman, are in the back. Um They used to be disciples here in Santa Clarita, and now they also, they're awesome disciples up in the Antelope Valley, serving faithfully to uh, to the Lord and the church up there, and so thank you guys for your service. And uh we love you guys. And then also, as of nine o'clock this morning, nine a.m., Michael and Katarina had their baby. And so. So exciting. God, God is just awesome, isn't he? So, anyways, we're gonna jump into the lesson. The question of the day really is who are you? And um, Every now and then, you just got to ask yourself that. And depending on if somebody's asking you that, you might have a different response. Sometimes it's like, who are you? And you're, you know, might generate an insecure response like, you're right. Like, who am I? For some, if somebody says, who are you? It makes you, like, kind of big and proud because you know who you are. And so um I'm excited because we're going to answer this question in a second. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. We're going to be on the front end of Mark chapter 5, but um as I've been studying this, uh, you know, I've learned a lot of things and uh one of the things that I've learned and uh is is and I'm really going after this is trying to discern what's urgent versus what's important. And I think that that's something that we all have to figure out. Sometimes the things that are most urgent aren't necessarily the things that are most important. Now, sometimes things are urgent and important. You know, you read in Mark chapter 5 about a situation um, where Jesus is uh, on his way. He gets approached by this guy named Jarius. And Jarius comes to Jesus My daughter is going to die. He's a synagogue leader. My daughter is going to die. Come and save her. This is what you would call an urgent and important issue, right? But on his way to this appointment to heal this guy's daughter, somebody touches Jesus' cloak, but it wasn't just anybody touching Jesus' cloak. It was somebody that had the faith to touch his cloak and said to themselves, Hey, if, if I just touch him, He will heal me. This woman had been subject to bleeding for 12 years and she was like, if I just touch him, I'll be healed. And so Jesus is walking. He's got the crowd following him and on his way to this really urgent and really important matter. And he stops and has a conversation. Conversation is like, who touched me? And everybody's like, a lot of people are touching you, Jesus. You know, he gets through, he figures out who it was, and then he, has, he makes sure the woman understands it. It wasn't because you touched me, it's because your faith that healed you. But in, in the meantime, Jairus' daughter died. You know, the urgent, important situation didn't necessarily get, didn't get taken care of. Or at least that's how we can look at it sometimes. I'll tell you what, studying out about Jesus, like he challenges my priorities to the fullest. Because I would think, Jesus, you know that you've got limited time. You need to get there. But he stops and has this conversation with this woman on his way to healing Jairus' daughter, and in the meantime she dies. But, but what they don't know is that, you know, Jesus has other priorities in mind. He's not just the healer, he's also the resurrection. Right? And so, he's, he's got other priorities in mind. And so, as we, I study out the Gospels and learn about Jesus, I'm like, man, Jesus is just awesome. I mean, do you realize? Do you realize this? Like, on the way to Jesus' appointments, he does things that for me would be the greatest thing I've ever accomplished. This was just on his way. He does things that, if I looked at it, and, and if you looked at it, like, this would, mean, this would be my life's greatest accomplishment. Jesus was, did it in the midst of an interruption. He challenges us. He challenges our priorities. And if, you are, if you're here right now and you're looking at your priorities, you're looking at your value system, and uh, maybe it's getting reworked a little bit, maybe it's getting challenged a little bit, maybe Jesus is trying to get your attention in some kind of way. Maybe He's trying to show Himself to you in another way. And so I'm excited to talk about this tonight or today, because um, we want to answer this question: Who am I? Like, who are you? Mark chapter five. It's funny because uh, in the gospels, you got to ask yourself: Like, how did they pick what to include in the gospels? At the end of John, it tells us that Jesus did so many miracles that it would not. There, there's not even enough room in the world to include all the books that would need to be written for Jesus's miracles. So I got to ask myself: Like. Like, how does John how do how do these guys decide to pick which ones to put in the gospels? Like, you can't really say, Well, this Jesus He healed a lot of people, so these ones are valuable. These ones are this is a good story to tell, but this one's not so good. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder just just imagine having to think through that stuff. Well, what stories am I gonna tell? Well, the fact is that um the gospels have all different themes and they tell about they all tell the story of Jesus, but they all highlight different things. And one of the themes of Mark is highlighting Jesus' authority. And that's what we're going to talk about here. And uh, we're going to learn a little bit about the authority of Jesus. So if you're with, in your Bibles, we're going to look at Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through, we're going to go all the way through 20, but we're going to stop in the middle of that and have a little conversation. Amen? All right. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 says, they went across, actually before we read, I'd love to pray. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're so grateful for you, for your word. And God, we have all that we need in your gospels. You've given us everything we need to know about you and to learn about your character. And so we're thankful for that, God. Be with us as we really look at your word and help us to have just open hearts as we receive it this morning. Just says, me I pray, amen. Mark 5, verse 1, it says, "...they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons, On on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Now this is what writers like to call foreshadowing. No one was strong enough to subdue him. You just wait. We're setting up a boxing match here. An epic boxing match. Because there's about to be someone that is strong enough to subdue this guy. Right? But it's not the way we think it's going to happen. It says, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Night and day. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. You know, the fact is, like, Jesus... Had done most, most of his ministry in the, the region of like Capernaum and on the other side. And he's come to this area of the Gerasenes, which is it, it's kind of like a Gentile territory. It's part of what they call the Decapolis, ten cities. But this is like crossing on the other side of the tracks, if you know what I mean. I remember when I first moved to L.A. and I, and I wanted to go tour Sunset Boulevard. I just drove on Sunset. And I'm, I'm driving and I'm like, wow, these houses are nice. And then you, you get one stoplight and then you, you cross the, the street and you're like, whoa, what just happened? This is like, I feel a little unsafe right now. I need to, I need to turn around and go back the other way. But you know what I mean? Like, this is, Jesus is coming into like, in a way, a, a territory of a people where there is open hostility towards him because he's a Jewish man. And he's going into the region of the Gerasenes, which is mostly Gentile men and women. The thing is, is Jesus had seen this man. He knew his plan. He knew what he was going to do. But this man had not seen Jesus. But, excuse me, we don't know if Jesus actually saw him. But this guy saw Jesus. And it says he ran up to him. And he falls on his knees and he's like shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. You know, the fact is, when you come in contact with real power, with real authority, like Jesus, your reaction might be like this. What do you want with me? A little bit of fear? A little bit of struggle? Like when you really get it. Jesus said to him, What is your name? Now I love that Jesus asked that question. Like, sometimes it's like, Jesus, why did you ask that question? Like, don't, don't you know who this guy is? Weren't you, wasn't this part of your plan to come and save this guy? What is your name? Who are you? Fact is, this guy knew who Jesus was, but he didn't know who he was. As it says, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. That would be a freaky response. Imagine you ask somebody that in the grocery store. What's your name? (laughs) We are many. (laughs) We just keep it moving, right? Can you just imagine that? Not Jesus. This is where I, I I love Jesus because it's like it doesn't even it doesn't faze him. He just keeps moving. The the guy is like trembling before Jesus, and he begged him, Jesus, again. Not to send him out of the area, he, he knew the power of Jesus, and I could preach for days on this stuff right here about like how the demons knew who Jesus was, and the people walking with Jesus really didn't know who He was. I mean, we could talk for days about that. just because you know who Jesus is, just because you know His name, The demons knew that. It's like, what are you allowing to, allowing Jesus to do in your life? They knew His power. They knew that he could destroy them right then and there. They knew that he could torture them. They're like, don't send us... They just said, don't send us out of the area. We've got this place on lockdown. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then the Bible gets a little weird. He said... A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And we're going to connect this to our lives here in a second. So you'll see. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. This would just be an awkward sight to see. Just like, what just happened? So we're going to talk about it in a while. Just, just remember that. It so says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. I want you to touch the person next to you. Look at him and tell him, you must be important. Ask him for their autograph because they're important. Say, I need your autograph because you must be someone important. All right, all right. You know, because actually to to really fully understand this, and I think to really grasp this, we actually got to talk about what happened that day. You know, see, we got to talk about Mark chapter 4. Because when Mark wrote his gospel, he didn't put the chapter numbers in there. We did that a little bit later. And so Mark Mark chapter 4, kind of the ending of Mark chapter 4, happens on the same day as Mark chapter 5, or in that same time frame. So we gotta back it up a little bit. And this this part, uh, preaches itself a little bit, uh, preaches itself. But I wanna ask you guys, how many people here are going through a storm in their life? Just be honest, come on. I mean, I mean, If you're not going through one, i got news for you. You've either been through one or you're going to go through one, right? It's just one of those facts of life. We know that. There are storms that come in our lives. Um, In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus says to His disciples, says, that day, this is the same day as what we see in Mark chapter 5. That day, when evening came, He said to His disciples, Let us go to the other side. doesn't say why. He just says what we're going to do. He said, let's go to the other side. i got an appointment on the other side of the lake. There's something important over there that i got to accomplish. I want to ask you, can you obey God even when He doesn't say why? Can you get in and go even if you don't know where you're going? If you believe Jesus has all authority in your life, you don't need all the details to be obedient. You know, but we've got to make a note of this. And this is, this is important because you can't cross over a lot of times to the other side. You can't, you can't go on these amazing missions for God with a, without a little bit of conflict. Sometimes without some storms happening, you know, because what's Jesus doing? He's moving the mission field forward. He's he's going somewhere different. We're going to learn about that. But he's leaving the comfort zone. Actually, if you studied out Capernaum, the city where he was doing a lot of his ministry, the area, you know, one of the meanings of it, it says village of consolation or village of comfort. So he's literally leaving this village of comfort, this area of comfort, and he's going to enemy territory, this area where there might be some challenges. Doesn't that sound like life sometimes? Doesn't that sound like, hey, I'm trying to make changes for God. I'm trying to reinvent myself. I'm trying to do something good for God. You know, my, you know whatever it is, maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you've got a family history of drinking and you're trying to break that chain. Or you've got a family history of some kind of addiction, and you're trying to break that chain. Or you, you've been living, like, this worldly life for 40 plus years, and you're like, I've got to live differently now. I've got to be a different person. I've got to go on a mission for God. I've got to leave my comfort zone. There's going to be, there's changes ahead, and I've got to, and I've got to change. I've got to leave my comfort zone. Guys, there is always going to be conflict. When you're leaving your comfort zone. Sometimes it's conflict within yourself, and sometimes it's conflict with people that are in your life. Jesus is moving the mission field forward. And he said, and you know, and they come up on a storm. And obviously, Jesus heals uh, rebukes the storm the storm. I kind of wonder about that sometimes because Jesus, like, rebuked demons. And then he rebuked the storm. You know, sometimes we look at storms in our lives the wrong way. I think sometimes we think of them like just like how it was with Jonah. Like, Jonah needed a storm. Because Jonah was not doing... The the righteous thing. He was running away from God. You know, sometimes God is trying to get your attention through a storm. He's like, hey, you're running away from me, and I'm going to make life difficult on you because you're important. You're important to me because I want you. And so I'm going to send a storm your way to get your attention. But guess who else knows that you're important? Satan. Satan knows that you're important. You must be important. Because, see, Satan doesn't attack somebody that doesn't matter. You know, NBA Finals are going on right now. There's two Game 7s. Listen, if I was playing in a Game 7, do you know what they would do? They would just give me the ball. They wouldn't guard me. I might be able to make one out of ten shots from NBA three-point line. Maybe. That's with nobody guarding me. (laughs) They would just give me the ball. They wouldn't try to mess me up. They wouldn't send a storm my way. LeBron's not even going to worry about me. I'm not important. You know, sometimes you got to look at your storms and say, Wow, what does this show me about myself? If God's sending a storm your way, Because you know He knows you're not doing the right thing and you know you're not doing the right thing and God's making it a little bit difficult on you. You know why He's doing that? Because you're important. Because He wants you. But let's say you are doing the right thing. You're trying to move forward. You're trying to advance the gospel forward. You're trying to move the mission field forward like Jesus is here. And what comes? It's a storm. Man, you know how I can tell if someone's Important, I just had to put this one in there. Your storm proves that you are important. You hit hit the next slide. The storm that you're going through, it proves that you're important. Because Satan is not going to mess with somebody that doesn't matter. And I think Satan was trying to stop Jesus in his tracks all the time because Jesus had a mission. He's like, hey, i got to get to this guy because there's something that we're going to do with him that's going to be important, that's going to matter a lot. You know, sometimes what we need to hear is you're going to make it through the storm. You know why? Because Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We've got to keep going. You've got to make it through. We've got to stop asking the question of will I survive the storm, but more why did I survive the storm? It's because you must be important. Satan doesn't pick a fight with somebody he's not threatened by. Which begs the question what if you're not going through any storms? Or haven't gone through any storms. Life's just nice. Life's just comfortable. I'll let you think about that one on your own for a second. Because Satan's like, well, you you know, you're not doing anything anyways. So I'm only trying to stop the people that are making moves. That are going to make a difference. I mean, that, that's tough to hear. And that's tough to swallow. But isn't it true? Isn't it true? I remember when I got baptized. Somebody told me that. And I was praying for storms. And I was like, send them my way, please. Because I just want to be proved worthy. You know, I want, I want God to teach me some things. I want God to humble me. Well, yeah, I broke my leg. I'm like, well, that, that one, that, that, that'll humble me. You know, there's a few other things that happened in my life. And I mean, I was like, I was kind of grateful a little bit because, you know what? The storms proved that I was important, that I was doing something because either God's trying to mold me or Satan's trying to stop me. Either way, I'm important. Right. So you got to understand this and you got to realize this and you got to say this to yourself sometimes. I'm important. You got to understand that. And so Jesus is on his way. We got to transition here. Because, you know, we got to talk about Legion. And let me be honest when it comes to talking about this guy. When I read the Bible, and I think a lot of us do this, I'll read it from this perspective okay, let me, yeah, I got to be like Jesus. I got to go save people. I got to go help people. I got to go meet these needs. Or, you know what? I relate to the disciples. Because. Man, they they went through storms. Man, I'm going through some storms. I've been through some storms. And, And you know what? They had the faith to stick it through because they had Jesus with them. You know, my fear sometimes is we read stories about somebody like Legion here. And we look at him and we say, well, I ain't that bad. I'm not, you know, I mean, he was in the tombs. He was cutting himself well, I'm not like that guy. Really? You don't have dark places you go to? You don't disconnect from people? We're supposed to be have the greatest connections. I mean, we have the greatest ability to connect than any generation or any group of people ever. I can get on my phone right now and call somebody across the country. First time in our lifetimes in the history of the world that that could happen. Yet, we can be in dark places. We can be disconnected. You know, sometimes it's just, you know, I see it. We'll be in this, we'll we'll go out to eat. And you'll watch a couple. And I'm like, they have not talked to each other for 30 minutes. But they've given their phone a lot of attention. Just disconnected. We can go to some dark places. We can go to some dark places in our lives. I mean, the more I study these things, the more I look at these, and the more I realize, wow, I'm a lot more like this guy than I want to admit. I'm not talking about demon possession here, but I'm talking about like There's some things in my life and my heart, and I believe there's some things in your life and your heart that are some dark places. Maybe a sin that you don't want to deal with. An addiction to pornography. Some secrets. We might be a lot more like this guy Legion here than we care to admit. It says they couldn't even bind him, like, and he was cutting himself. I mean, he had no self-control, but are we any different? You know, something that I've learned about preaching, um, you know, because sometimes it can be a little bit insecure to share my weaknesses when it comes to preaching, because, you know, I want to listen to somebody that's got it all together, right? Right? I don't want to follow someone that has got issues. But then I realized something. It's like, you all got issues. <laughs> right? We all got issues. I think we all got a little bit of this guy legion in us. There's some. We go to some dark places. There's some lacks of, lack of self-control going on. Maybe, you know, you might not be cutting yourself. But I think you might lack self-control in other areas, your spending, and how you spend your time, how you spend your money and your weight. Like I don't know. I think there's some demons in there, you know, and we can talk about all the outward stuff. But then we start getting inward: the pride, the gossip. You give me enough time, we will talk about every demon in there. Right? There will be, I mean, we will clear it out of all the self-righteousness. Like, guys, and I've been convicted by this. When I'm reading the Bible, I'm like, wow, like, I, I need Jesus. I'm, in, I'm important. Because Jesus was willing to go through the storm to get to this man because he knew That he was important, he was willing to go to the cross for you because he knew that you were important because he knew it. Now we got to talk about the pigs, right? We got to talk about the pigs, you know, because at first, you know, when you read a story like this, you're like, "What is, what is going on here?" What's going on here? And there's something I learned. There's a little connection that I made with what's going on here. Because, you know, like, on on surface level, it looks like, okay, Satan doesn't want to give up without a fight. Or or it shows Satan's uh, intentions with this guy. That he was there to kill. And that is how Satan operates. He is there to take you down. And He is going to challenge you, and He is going to challenge what's most important to you, really, not what you think is most important to you, but what's really most important, which is a relationship with God. And He is there to take that out by any means necessary. But then, you look at this story, and there's a cool connection that can be made. He asks to go into the pigs, because He knows that the pigs mattered more to these people in this area than this man mattered. And he said, if I can go into the pigs and kill the pigs, then they'll send Jesus away. The way Satan attacks is he goes after what's most important to you. He goes after that. He's like, send me Job. You know, when God and Satan had an, a, a little conversation, and Satan's like, hey, I, I, I've i been searching all over. God's like, have you considered Job? I mean, he is a bad, bad man. He is my boy. This is the updated version. <laughs> but, And Satan's like, man, He's not gonna follow me. You've given him everything. You've given him the flocks. He's got a great family. He's got the good looks. You've given him everything. God's like, take it away. See what he does. Satan will attack. What's most important? I looked it up. I was like, I wonder how much those pigs were. Two thousand pigs were worth to these pig farmers here, and and in, you know, let's just say conservative estimates were about. Five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Non-conservative were two million dollars. I was like, that's great when you include inflation and all that stuff, right? <laughs> I was like, that's wild and crazy. Okay, I'm not going to tell you my sources because I'm not sure if that's 100% true. But let's just say, um, I think that the people cared a lot about these pigs. And that's how Satan works. We just know how he works. He's going to attack what's most important to each one of us. He will use anything to attack your faith. You know, he will use people against you because he is trying to take away your relationship with God. He will cause somebody to upset you because he knows if that one person can upset you, it will pull you away from a relationship with God. That's just how he works. Because he knows what's most important. He says, if I can get this person to send God away a little bit, if I can get this person to distance himself from Jesus, I've won. That's just how he works. Guys, your storm proves that you're important. It proves that you are important. Satan only attacks what's valuable. You must be important. You know, I want to finish this story off here because I love this how how it finishes. Cause in verse eighteen it says Jesus was getting into the boat, the man had demon had been demon possessed, begged to go with him. You know, this guy was like, I gotta get out of here. Jesus, we've got come on. I wonder if he was just in the boat ready. But then something happened. It says Jesus did not let him. This is the same Jesus who in Mark chapter 1 had asked a bunch of guys to drop everything and follow him. To leave their comfort zone, to leave their families, to leave the family business and say, follow me because I've got a mission. We are on a mission. This guy is begging Jesus to follow him. And Jesus says, no. Keep on going. Jesus said, go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Like, do you realize something sometimes the way this is the way God works? Sometimes God says, go, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You've been too comfortable for too long and and you've got to go. And okay, there's going to be some storms that are going to come. There might be a little conflict, but there's something awesome on the other side of that. But you got to get out of your comfort zone. And sometimes God says, stay. I'm going to give you the grace that you need to have a new start. And when people see the change in you, they are going to be impacted. They are going to be amazed. You are going to make a difference. Like, I thought about titling the sermon, From Maniac to Missionary. Because, like, this is, as far as I can tell, one of the first guys to preach to the Gentiles. Because the Bible says that he stayed there in the city, the Decapolis, and preached, and all the people were amazed. Man, Jesus thought He was important. He thought He was important enough to go through the storm to get to Him because He had a plan for that guy. And His plan was for Him to be changed and to tell people about how He was changed. That's just amazing. You know, you are so important. We're going to transition right now Where we get to take communion. And we just got to remember that we are so important that Jesus went through Gethsemane for each one of us. That He faced the cross for us. That He considered us so important to Him, to His plan, that He said, I want you. I want to be with you, and I'm willing to go through whatever storms, whatever pain for you. We've got to remember that. I'm going to pray right now uh, for the communion, and afterwards, we're just going to have some background music play. And what I want you to think about is like, and just remember, is just have this heart of gratitude. This heart of gratitude that you were considered important. For that sacrifice. Almost the same type of heart of gratitude, the same type of um, grateful heart that we can have for those that have served and given all for our country. Like, I feel important because of that. You should feel important because of that. You should feel important because of what Jesus has done for each one of you, for each one of us. So let's pray. God, we love you so much and we are so, so grateful for you. That you were willing to go through so much, so much pain, spiritually, physically, emotionally, for each one of us that you considered us that important. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. It's your sons, I'm going to pray. Amen.